0: best part of real estate is having that that control. You see it, feel it, touch it, relationships with the tenants. It's like we're setting ourselves up for success. And that's when it really transitioned to set up, hey, I want to just flip, 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 which is important to gain the liquidity to buy assets. So I wouldn't change that. Then I said, hey, I just want to invest in these properties. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate
1: investing career. Hello, great state of Arizona and the Azria family. How are you guys doing today? Today, we have a very special guest, but before we get to our guest, we always want to welcome our executive director, Mike Delprete. How are you doing today, Mike? What's up? What's up? And today we have Zachary Keeps. Zach Hills from Detroit, but been here in the Valley for numerous years. He have numerous properties, done tons of deals here in the Valley. So we want to welcome Zach to the show. How are you doing, Zach?
0: Unbelievable, brother. Great to see you like I'm the sorry. Midwest energy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm sorry, Zachary. No, I want to make sure I correct you. You, <laughs> you, you, you know, in the Midwest, we like to shorten everything, man. <laughs> so so, Zachary, kind of tell us about yourself, kind of give us the background, who you are, how you got started in real estate, sir. Sure.
0: Appreciate the opportunity. It's a funny story because I ran into Michael. We knew each other from the past. I ran into him to McCostco the other day, I see him oh, yeah. buy houses. I was like, bro, you buy houses? You always gotta talk to people, yeah. uh-huh. put it out there and connect. So mm-hmm. it's always important to, you know, differentiate yourself and wear the apparel. So again, Thank thanks you. for the opportunity. Sure. Um, so reverted back to your question, how from the Midwest, I went to business school at Indiana University, Kelley School of Business, grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, Always knew I wanted to work for myself. And as you do the research in terms of the wealthiest people in the world, I always say you read the Forbes magazine, you look at the wealthiest people, 90% of them in some capacity are connected through real estate. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that my grandfather had some developments and some retirement centers and things of that nature. My dad has a law firm, my other grandfather's scrap business. So I knew that, Hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur or what I call a solopreneur today, Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt that real estate was the best vehicle uh, for me, leveraging my background in finance, Spanish, real estate, et cetera. And so there's an opportunity to come out to AZ in 2002, to do some joint venture with some cousins in the Midwest, to start acquiring properties one at a time and, uh, been out here for 20 years and it's been a wild ride with thousands of homes you know acquired and uh, building a portfolio again one brick one house at a time and we're in interesting times again you know I yeah. remember 2002 to 2007 you got some turbulence and now we're back into some more to what I perceive to be some level of turbulence and we'll get into that later I'm sure. yeah sure. it's exciting times and I'm grateful and blessed to be here
1: okay a lot there yeah wow. yeah very <laughs> impressive
2: so so you, I'll just jump into when 20 years ago you came to AZ. So you said you came to do some real estate with Cousins.
0: Yep. So okay. I, I came out here as human capital, as we call mm-hmm. it. I was the boots on the ground. Okay. They had capital. They had a real estate development company and. St. Louis. And so they had a, a lot of ammunition or gunpowder. And uh, I was the, the gentleman out there looking and sourcing the deals. So we created a joint uh, venture a partnership on a 50-50 split. I did all the work, found the crews, they provided the capital, and then we split the profits. At that time, it was just solely flipping. I wasn't holding okay. anything at the time in 2002. So came out, got my license, was solely focused on building key relationships, which is still key in, in any business, mm-hmm. a relationship-based business. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of REOs, some short sales as we proceeded, you know, a couple of years later, then when the market busted, I just went out and started, you know, doing my own deals with outside capital OPM, other people's money with the same, you know, partnership levels. And then from there, after each divestiture utilize that capital to build my, you know, my own assets, my own
1: properties. So getting your firm footing out here in 2002, how did you build those relationships? Where did you go? How did you, because you're, you're new in this space in this area and you don't know anybody.
0: So I literally didn't know anybody. I started real estate school and let people know, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I got to manifest it and project it. I Mm -hmm. talked to a lot of people. I would, I believe money is made in the field, not in the office. So I went up to the meetups. I went to the AZ RIAs. I went to, you know, anything where there's other investors and wholesalers, if you will, I called all the, buy ugly homes house guys Mm -hmm. um so did all that exhausted all the efforts to meet other people that were flipping properties or wholesaling and then when i I had more money to deploy than i did relationships so then we started doing direct advertising so we started with a company called 1-800-NO-AGENT where we advertised on uh, tv and billboards and radio so then we manufactured our own leads by going direct to seller okay so it was an amazing opportunity to interface with thousands of sellers and offer them you know consultative Offering, which was, hey, either sell us your house direct, or we're happy to represent you and get you top dollar depending on your utility, your needs at the time. So we had a solution for everybody. You call us up, one way or another. I'm going to leave with a contract. It's going to be exclusive right to sell your property, or I'm going to buy it. And I'd there love to buy it, but if not, hey, here's the numbers. You know, let's do some business.
2: But where'd Absolutely. you get where'd you get that from, though? Like, uh, I know you have the business background, like family and everything. Like, you came out here fresh. Don't no Google View, no Google Maps, no GPS. Right? right. I know. I was here at that time so it's like didn't know anybody so what 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 gave you that grit to I got to meet everybody. I got that's I'm, I need to be in the field because you still do that to this day to this day, you know, so yeah. and I see that. So was it like a coach mentor? Was it just instinct? Like what made you just get out there?
0: I think it's instinctual. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you got to I'm a belly to belly kind of guy, a shake hand kind of guy looking people in the eyes mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. sellers and it's just building those relationships. I feel you're not going to get a strategic relationship just on the phone. Nowadays, we got FaceTime, we got better yeah. technology. Right. Back then shit, there was no Instagram. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, <laughs> maybe some Facebook, but I didn't know deals. No one even knew who I was. obviously I'm new to this space yeah. and, and yeah. no marketing so you had to look people in the eye again belly to belly up and differentiate yourself and I would find containers on the street with crews and find out who's the who's the investor in this property Hey let's come up let's do some business. But also networking a lot with the agents. So going to different brokerages, walking into, you know, mortgage brokers and whatnot, saying, hey, I'm new to the space. I got a lot of capital behind me. Let's do some business. Let's I want to incentivize you. Not only let's be friends, but let's make money together and have a good time.
2: Who could deny?
0: Let's do some business. I like that. (laughs) And and
1: who can deny? Hey, I I got capital. I'm ready to put it to work. Help me work it.
0: And also, one thing is, too, is, I mean, so many people, they're so serious in the space. you got to relax and mm-hmm. breathe. I would say, have a good time. This morning, as we're in a shirt, I'm one of my students, I, I do some mentorships. Mm-hmm. His name's Tate Albana. You're probably seen him around. Mm-hmm. He's he works with Ray Spencer and those guys. He got me a shirt that says Big Sexy, because I joke around all the time. Yeah, so uh, I'm on one of my hikes. He brings it up. He goes, I got you a shirt, Zach. It's Big Sexy. And wear it to the gym. I get a couple comments whoa, that's a little ballsy wearing that shirt. (laughs) Hey, you know, you know, I'm a 6'4 minus uh, eight inches. But, you know, it just gets people laughing and relaxed. So have a good time out there. And and people want to do business when you're having fun and you're relaxed. Love it. Yeah.
1: And people want to do business with people that they that they like. Absolutely. You know, that's the worst thing to be in business with somebody that you don't like because you will always be at odds. So I mean, that's a good that's a good stance. So tell us about you know and i know i'm going back some years but that first transaction when you first got out here how did you know that you was acquiring the right property in the right area at the right time things like that
0: great question sometimes you gotta just you know life's about risk and calculated risks and chances i knew that i didn't want to start with million dollar specs i felt that was too risky even to this day 97% of my portfolio is comprised of lower income things. So I want to target the low income housing. I'm a contingency uh, kind of guy. I always say in the worst case scenario, if this falls you know, flat or I miss the numbers, what, what transpires if I can't sell it at this retail number? I can always rent it. And what's the rental mm-hmm. yield? So I'm always say, again, what's the worst case? I'm going to set myself up for success, not failure. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, it'll be a learning experience. Maybe I break even on the retail or worst case scenario i rent it and i get you know a 13 or 14 percent cap rate which we were getting back in the day because the numbers were so much lower and the rents were still pretty strong based on demand so the first deal was off of rosier and 22nd street Ooh, kind of in and south, phoenix. south yeah, phoenix It had a little uh, fire inside with some bums, and uh you know got a close from an reo agent i think it came from ruth miller and uh, jeff miller back in the day mm-hmm. you probably know ruth okay. and jeff and uh, called them up mls drive down there look pretty beat up kind of estimating numbers grab some contractors that i met from you know the streets we looked at ballpark some numbers i think i bought it for 60. we put in 15 and sold it for 99. 9. so at those numbers that margin that was a good success yeah, like yeah. okay this isn't <laughs> this isn't that hard you right. know but i always tell people start at the low income and you know get uh, proficient at that before you jump into the mid-range and the high mm-hmm. end stuff. some people are like why can i just jump in and buy a million dollar home and try and make two hundred thousand dollars Good luck with that. Right. when that deal falls short, and you're using hard money, you're going bankrupt. You're done. You're yeah. done. So That's do deals that you have long-term stability that you can stabilize, and no matter what happens, you can get a good yield. Love it, love it. All
2: right. So that was what when your first deal? What year was that? August, oh,
0: that was in 2002, and the end of August, first acquisition. So
2: you still, you so what did what did you notice about that time frame compared to today?
0: Yeah. So things were just getting ramped up. That it mm-hmm. wasn't. First of all, there was not nearly as many investors. Yes. wholesalers. Like <laughs> yes. it's crazy. Yes. That everyone you talked to before, you know, there's probably more wholesalers that you know, yes. jokingly than there is. Real estate agents, yeah. you know, everyone yeah. you talked to back then, I'm a real estate, oh, what do you do? I'm in real estate, everyone's in real estate, right? Yeah. So how are you gonna make money? How are you gonna carve out, you know, to differentiate yourself and, and create a piece of the pie? The difference is today, it's just, it's so saturated. It's mm-hmm. crazy. So you need to bring a lot of value to the table. You can't just be some intermediary trying to take a contract and flip it for three or $5,000 because you're not adding any value no, to that yeah. to that chain. You know, you got companies now like Lift that are cutting out all those intermediaries. Now they could just post it on that site and boom, you know, mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. getting direct access to real buyers like myself and wow. Michael, and yep. and you get Marcus. So you know if you're not providing value, you better figure out a way to do so quickly. Back then there wasn't as much competition, so you know everyone had the opportunity to make money.
2: Right. So what, what's what's value today in real estate?
0: Value Some is hey, you got to have capital. Mm-hmm. You know you got to have crews to create value. That's mm-hmm. what I like to say. So so if I'm buying a home at seventy five cents on the dollar. How do I get it to the, you know, retail value? Well, it's bringing in the right crews, economies of scale is value, buying materials mm-hmm. and sourcing stuff, mitigating the, the materials, acquisitions and in, in the, in the operations. Right. Yep. Cause you know, there's a lot of delays, right? People are trying to mm-hmm. bring in the doors and the cabinets. They're three months out. How do you mitigate that by ordering mass quantities today right. to fill those homes, Core, granite, all the materials. So the there's point. a lot of bottlenecks um, and just not touching the contract, like no, the end users know everybody in the business to mm-hmm. to source and um, maximize the value of each deal great okay. answer. great
1: answer so how did you go from doing that first one one off two off to to really scaling it up sure
0: it's by building the crews right you know i'm i can first one to tell you i couldn't remodel home myself you know i got the right guys to do it but it's a matter of delegating and it's a matter of um you know taking care of the crews to make sure that they're loyal. A lot of times people will poach your guys, but if you treat them right and you compensate Mm -hmm. them always fairly and you're always there for them, Mm -hmm. you treat people like family, you're going to have a high rate of retention no matter what business you're in so i took care of my crews they would then train other people in their families if you a lot of my crews are actually related so they refer their brother-in-law oh, and then yeah, so yeah. the only way to truly scale is by getting the labor force behind you always have to have enough capital and reserves mm-hmm. to do the deals um because again we're vertically integrated i don't you know everyone works directly for me now which is good or i like to say everyone works with me mm-hmm. and that's the relationship that we have as we got more deals i had enough uh capital and human capital the resources and crews behind it to grow that business where we're doing eight, 10 deals a month, you know, on average easily. Wow. That's amazing. amazing man. It, was, it was wild. So we're working the crews and then adding some, you know, management in terms of, um, like construction management, streamlining materials, ordering all that okay. stuff to slowly
1: build that up. One thing I don't want to gloss over is, is finding that first initial crew mm-hmm. because a lot of people have problems with that. They say, well, where do I go and find, you know, a good general contractor or a good crew? How did you set out to do that? Sure.
0: Again, by getting out in the field and you know seeing the containers, talking to people. Again, when I was in real estate school, everyone's in the business. And, and again, joining the AZRIA, for example, there's other people in there that may yep. have an amazing crew, and right now they may be stuck in terms of their out of capital, They're waiting that property to flip, but they want to keep their their construction yep. crews working. They say, hey, listen, yeah, true. I'm looking for a great crew. I certainly don't want to steal your guy, but I want to work with you. Let's collaborate. When you need something from me, I want to always lead with value. What do you need from me? You want to use my granite guy? You want to use my painter, my window mm-hmm. guy? You want to aggregate resources with me so we can save money together? So I'd say, hey, if your crews aren't working, you've already vetted them and work with them, you know that they're honest, give me an opportunity to keep them employed. And when you need them back, just let me know and they can go work on right. your job. So it's always having that open, transparent communication with people. You're not there to steal something. You're there to always add value, which will also help those other uh, investors mm-hmm. by not having them lure out to, you know, a hundred miles away in Vegas where some, some multifamily projects they're gonna keep busy for a year. Hey, let them do this job for this one. And then when I source another crew, we vet other people, my guys are your guys too. So you gotta share and, and work together in a synergistic manner.
2: Exactly. A lot of great stuff, man. Just like, you know, I always study like persuasion sales and you always get deep in all this and there's always strategies and tactics and stuff, right? But just being good human. Right. Yep. right i think just that natural good person treat people right, right. you'll go a long way Well, yeah. like how many years you're in the business now Was that 20 years 20 years yeah, yeah man com-
0: coming up on yep. uh coming up on 20 years in two months crazy yeah.
2: i started in end of 09 early 10 and very few people we see you know yeah. around today right that were around at that time totally. people come and go you know yeah. so th-
0: th- there's very few people actually from when i started a lot of the home investor guys are into other businesses mm-hmm very few from the very beginning that are still maybe there's some still agents obviously that are in the business mm-hmm. yeah but in terms of true investors very very few so it's interesting right. to see you know the attrition uh what transpires but the other thing too is going back is what do you do you always look for a win-win scenario or what i say win-win-win i'll never do a deal if someone's going to lose if the homeowner is getting screwed somehow and the is yeah. treating them poorly i'm out if they're an asshole in some capacity, you're like we talked about. I'm not. I am not i have the luxury of picking and choosing right. which I'm going to do. I'm going to work with good people. So whatever business you're in, if you can always create that win-win, that positive deal, it's not a zero-sum game as I thought it would be in the beginning. Like, hey, I'm going to win, you're going to lose. lose it again. doesn't work like that. If everyone's winning, then you're going to get a tremendous amount of referrals. More people want to work with you, team up, joint venture, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. And that's that snowball effect. Like you yeah. said, Mike, when you be a good human, good things to start to come back to you. And that's one of the things that we all always stand on with our contractors is when they're done with the work, pay them, Absolutely. Just pay them, yeah. pay them. Because then they will always want to work for you because they know if I get the job done, then my pay is right
0: there. Yeah. So the other thing, too, is not only do you pay them when I talk about you know, being in the street. I'm out in the field. So as most people nowadays, you could just sell people, you could yep. just be, you know, apps. You could be in the Bahamas, hypothetically and run your business, but it's not gonna run efficiently because I believe you gotta see it, feel it, touch it, the tangibility. Yep. But most importantly, a lot of these guys, anyone can pay them money. You're not special by doing yeah. that. Obviously paying them on time, but also give them, That affirmation of that great work a lot of people like to feel appreciated Mm -hmm. go out there get belly to belly with them him or her right there's more for a lot Mm -hmm. of female contractors out there hey you're doing an amazing job i really appreciate this by the way let's just take care of this item this item, because you're there on the spot to mitigate those problems but most importantly make them feel part of the family and also engage them in terms of hey you're the expert remodeler you're the contractor let's assume i was like this question to contractors is very valuable Let's assume you're the investor on this property. You pose that question to your contractor. What would you what do in this home? How can you enhance it? What's your vision of this? A lot of times we're going to have a better idea. Yeah. We think we're the greatest at everything. Yeah. We're not, they're the experts. So work with them and you know, enable them to provide massive mm-hmm. value by leveraging their skills. Yeah.
1: Good point. And, that's, that's one of the things that I do, um, cause Mike know I travel back and forth to Chicago quite a bit and it's not that I have to do it, but, I always want to engage the people that I'm working with. So my contractors, they'll be there and I, Hey man, I'm just popping in. I Like the way you did these countertops. I like the yeah. backsplash, you know, what should we do down here in the basement? So on and so forth. And they take that, like you said, it's that value. And they're like, okay, well, I would do this. Okay. If that, that works. And if it's within our scope of our budget, let's do it. Absolutely. You Take the lead. Yeah. And then they become, they have that pride of ownership yeah. in that project. So, and, then and they if, like feeling empowered yeah yep. and
2: that goes to this business isn't like rocket science right that same thing goes with your agent right your team yep. like building your team what hey agent what do you think we can list this at what do you think we mm-hmm. should do along with the contractor right. kind of idea so yeah man great stuff but you made me think along with all this stuff is you said referrals so how does how is that played building these relationships because i'm assuming you have billboards and radio ads running now
0: I don't have, I spent what's really unique is, so what's transpired between 2002 and 2020, I spent $0 yeah. on marketing. So all my business is really strategic relationships and referrals from the past. So it's amazing the power of treating people well, always, you know, I like say I'm a guarantee. When I sign that contract, there's no like, I'm not reassigning your deal. It stops here, I'm closing the deal. Once you work with me you never want to work with anyone else that's a good line for someone else it shows so much confidence like mm-hmm. hey there'd be no bs there's no retrading. there's mm-hmm. no re-inspections there's no like hey let me bring in my contractor and let's evaluate mm-hmm. this and then we're going to beat you up what you see is what you get and that's a rare breed these days a lot of people are always posing and posturing oh i got mm-hmm. the money then they're looking for the next buyer to make three or five or ten grand they're incurring they're writing checks you know for five thousand dollars and, and expose themselves to half a million or the average price yeah. for home right now, four and a quarter to hope to make five or $6,000. Are you crazy? crazy yeah. I mean, we're talking <laughs> about hundreds of thousands and you're trying to make a 1% fee by being an intermediary and you're putting up all this money. Yep. Let's step back and think about it. A lot of people haven't really enforced those contracts, which they can, you're signing, you realize that you're signing that contract with $5,000 earnest money, which is non refundable by the way. Mm-hmm. And then you're just trying to make a few bucks. You're crazy might I'm as well sorry. be an agent you might as well just yeah you make more money you might <laughs> yeah. as well be an agent you might as well flip cars i don't know yeah. but you know it's a lot of risk so again it's all based on treating those people uh, amazing i'm getting calls from houses that i bought in 2003 four or five hey my grandma's selling your house now hey my uncle whatever i saved your number i have your business card by the way i don't see this one 800 no age. i don't have that company but i'm still in business you yeah, know? yeah so that's been you know that's amazing. Uh, essential of um, in growth
2: it sure. is, man, or even like the I texted you this weekend. It was, it was along those lines of, you know, as whole, as from a wholesale perspective, we're in sales, and you want to make the most money you can on a deal, right? So, but I was like, sometimes there's scenarios where it's like, I need a solid person to buy mm-hmm. this. I no fluff i was even scared to send it to some wholesalers because i like i messaged you i was like hey man this is just low-key yep. i just need a solid buyer unique scenario sight unseen no eviction, inspection eviction, eviction after, post yeah. eviction complex deal very right? complex and you can't just put is there a buyer out there can another wholesaler help find that buyer yes but you know they're not good i can't trust some of those uh, people to to keep it quiet. They're gonna right. blast it out. Totally. They're gonna yeah. call the owner. They're gonna whatever it may be. So yeah. that's why, you know, Zach got my call. So appreciate yeah, I appreciate
1: that. I appreciate that as yep. well. Yeah. And that's that's confidence. That's confidence yeah. that you have in Zach as a buyer, you know, and that goes back to those working relationships, which are very key and very, very important.
0: Yep.
2: So, so let's get into the doom and gloom. So you 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 two thousand two, three, four, you're figuring out Arizona, you're doing deals, big budgets, marketing, and it stopped. Right. Or did you see it?
0: Well, I mean, no one really sees it coming, especially (laughs) this is my first time around. It's funny, all the people in this business now, you know, have only really had wind at their back, right? It feels good. Like, hey, I'm an amazing investor. I throw a dart at the wall. Oh, I made 20%. It yeah. you know, it's amazing. Were you really that good? Or was the market supporting your inefficiencies and your mistakes? And that's really a big question. People need to ask themselves to so look in the mirror now. So in today's market and, and what transpired back then is by being vertically integrated. So what I mean by that is, hey, we had the cash, we had the cruise, I would sell it, you know? So there was no outside parties. We're involved in every aspect from acquisition, to remodel to disposition including the banking so we weren't relying on anybody else what transpires is you got to use that litmus test and that, that energy what i say is behind each and every deal so once i list a property you know 2005 six Hey, you know, the, the average call be, like, Hey, how many offers how many, do you have? Where do yeah. we need to be? It was so fun. Right. Literally mm-hmm. now yeah. we talk about fax machines, fax over the offer, off. <laughs> hey, anything. Oh, yeah. The fax machine's running out right. of uh, <laughs> <you> know, paper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Toner over the weekend on three listings. I have 72 offers. So then all of a sudden we list a property as the markets, you know, transitioning and be like, Hey, I'd like to show your property. Well, that's where, you know, how many, how many people are showing it? Oh, there's two showings this weekend. Totally different. Mm. No matter what, you got to stay confident with those people to just get them hyped up. Well, mm-hmm. oh, actually, we got a lot of activity. Well, we may only have two yeah, listings. Yeah. Oh, we got some serious, serious interest yeah. in there, right? <laughs> hey, okay, play the game. But obviously, when you start stop getting that windfall of calls, which we're seeing again right now on listings, yep. you have to say to yourself, hey, what's going on? Is it the heat? Is it the interest rates? And then you got to talk to your fellow investors. That's why again, going back, it's so important to network and communicate mm-hmm. with your colleagues in this space, the lenders, the investors, the agents, what I always like to ask the question, what are you seeing out there? What are you yeah. feeling? Mm. So my intuition was, well, things are changing. And once you feel that shift immediately, don't sit on ceremony like, oh, I, most people say I have to make money. It's my pride. I have to make money on the deal, cut your losses, sell that deal and yep. move on. Right. If the market's shifting, you could do what's called dollar cost average. You sell here at the top or what's remotely close to the top or proceed top of market and then as the market's feeling that that supply chain is growing then you can buy that re, reacquire that same asset it you know pennies on the dollar mm-hmm. and be better especially in a long-term hold so don't sit on ceremony just say, oh you know i have a perfect track record yeah hey listen you're better off taking either a small loss or if you can transition into a rental and hold off great but if you can buy that same asset at 80 cents on the dollar and sell at 95 dollar cost average so it's yeah, important to really communicate with everybody in the space and feel that energy field, you know, the the tangibility to, how many offers are you getting? Well, what do you call the other agents and where those assets are at? Are you under contract? Are you doing open houses? Do you have anything going Uh, on? You know, if they're not getting anything, what's so good about your product? Yeah, especially in the same subdivision, (laughs) new construction, they're all the same. Same. If they're not selling theirs, what are you gonna have this magic twinkle in there? You gonna provide cocaine for the buyers (laughs) and sign it, come on now, you know, (laughs) let's be real.
2: Love it, man. That's why I love having seasoned investors on the show. So if you're out there, you're new, listening or like Zach put it the wind you've been riding the the wind is pushing your back which has been for what, how many years uh, sellers I'm market for uh, 10 12, 12, 12 years Twelve, year, 12 yeah. years. so just, and that's why I want to talk like I brought that question up about you know how did it feel or what happened because not everyone experienced what we went through right? right so and I think learning from others other people's uh, experiences is great so anything else you'd like to share like just because mm-hmm. we can't predict the future what's about to happen but we are noticing the low more inventory still hot right but it's like less showings and all that so that is a similar dynamic so is anything else you want to share to the people that have been riding the wave?
0: absolutely like i said look truly in the mirror what is your true game plan right some people forget about what's your mission for me i'm happy to own the assets long term i i'm a contingency guy so a lot of times on my exits ask yourself if you don't sell it are you happy to hold that asset and is the capital behind you right now will that enable you to hold it what type of yield will you have positive cash flow break even or negative based on the rental market today and the money behind you so if you sense that shifting immediately try and get some long-term more strategic debt on there, get out of that hard money, get into a long term loan, if you can, if you want to happily own that asset. I mean, my I'll say put it on there, I think in 18 months, we'll see some rates drop again, I think we'll see especially that low income stuff rise again. So the question to yourself is do you have the staying power to mitigate the volatility we're about to see or we're seeing right now in the market? It's like you're on the boat and you've been sailing and it's beautiful skies. Did you anticipate the rain? Did you anticipate these big, you know, waves? Yep. So, you know, do you oh, have enough should. food? Do you have enough water? If you capsize, do you have a life jacket? Life jacket. So yep. where is your life jacket? What's your exit plan? You know, it's like riding on a plane. Where's the exit row? Great. How quickly can mm-hmm. I jump over that old lady? Get out of here. Can I be the first one out? <laughs> yeah. So yep. you really got to just figure out what's your short term strategy? What's your long term strategy? And no matter what you do, are you planning for success? And, and what's your contingency plan?
2: You, you think they'll, You think we'll see a 40 year mortgage?
0: I mean, they're talking about it. Have you heard I mean, that? Yeah, I yeah. heard that 40 year AM. I mean, we were seeing you got to do something to yeah. lower yeah. the payments. I mean, they are always coming up with some unique stuff. You got to do something to stimulate the market. So, hey, I welcome all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You
0: know, the other thing, too, is getting learning strategic financing. So, you know, what are the variables you can do as a seller? You can provide all of a sudden, hey, don't be sit on ceremony, incentivize people. One, most people again today are still offering 2% or 2.5% to the agents. Incentivize the damn agents to make sure that they're bringing the buyers. If I'm an agent, I'm going to look honestly and say, Hey, what's the co-broke on here? Oh, 2%, 2%, 2%. Oh, this guy's offering 3%. Oh, and a $5,000 bonus. Your first price concession on that big deal is going to be 10 or 15,000. Incentivize the agent to bring their clients over there. You'll have a greater rate of success. Mm -hmm. Number two, you can buy down the rates for the buyers. Instead of dropping 10,000, give them 5,000 to buy down the rate. makes it affordable to them. Maybe offer a lease purchase, maybe seller finance, and make sure you abide by the Dodd-Frank Act. So make sure that you're versed in all the different strategies, again, contingent wise, to get yourself out of um, that asset, if that's your game
1: plan. Very true, very true. Great. It's those strategic alliances and knowing how to dispo that property that you hold, you know, versus just saying, hey, let me just throw it out there and see if I can get max dollar on it. Hey, maybe I have to do a concession. Maybe I have to pull back a little bit just to make sure that I get out of this project. For sure.
2: I'm seeing that those bonuses, I noticed that this weekend, I was like, oh, that's new. Mm -hmm. So those are
1: things
0: to pay attention to. I mean, again, call the surrounding assets in that same sub, that agent, that same house has been on market 30 days. You're about to price yours at the same price. Be prepared to sit there and, you know, wait for your phone calls and wait for a long time. So what are you gonna do to differentiate that? You know, check all those boxes, FHA approved. Maybe it's seasoned for 90 days now. Ten thirty one exchange, no problem. Lease, purchase, seller finance. Be versed in all those boxes that you never paid attention before because it was just conventional and cash. Education, right. man. Yeah. Yep. Educate always a- yourself on those, you know, exits.
2: Yep. Have you uh, always uh, have you ever done coaches, mentors, kind of thing, or you just always been just in it?
0: So, on one of my podcasts, the guy who was shooting it, Luigi, with the All In Boys, Carlos, Sal, mm-hmm. and Alex, really good guys. Yeah. He says, Zach, you know, we've interviewed a lot of people. We've been on a lot of podcasts. You got a coach, man. You, you know mm-hmm. you've, you've been in this business for a long time. You've been through the volatility. I want let's shoot a course together. I'm like I've never really you know you always yeah. have this guru stuff. It always turned me off. I always just mm-hmm. want to be in the thick of it and acquire assets. So I listened to Luigi. We spent a year uh, filming this course. Did a course. Uh, mentored about 55 students across the nation oh, wow. in terms of fix and flip and buy and hold very very yeah remember see so you you're
2: blowing you're yeah a lot of spend on on those ads
0: so i joint venture with the new reach uh, yeah. guy so they put out you know the capital i was just focused on the coaching and mm-hmm. you know the students some of my students now are making a million dollars a year seven figures and just you know very short period of time so.
2: flipping rent, landlording or
0: uh, all of the above Love yeah it. a lot of them are holding you know i tell them hey find those cherries those amazing deals uh, keep them for yourself especially if you're doing direct owner why would you wholesale that retain that for yourself cherry pick those amazing deals for your long-term holds to get that Mm -hmm. long-term annuity of income again as a wholesaler as an agent you're only as good as your last deal for me why i built my portfolio of of over 200 homes i'm blessed i can let that regardless of the volatility of the market let's say it goes down 10 20 30 percent. i'm still good my basis is going to be far less than that most importantly, it's about the cash flow, letting those assets work. So there's a lot of gratification in that coaching, but it does take up a lot of the time, you know, you mm-hmm. always want to over deliver and I'm a FaceTime kind of guy or get with the people. So I probably missed, you know, millions of dollars worth of deals but your legacy is about you know, instilling and coaching yeah, and mentoring people help. to change the trajectory of their families, so that's irreplaceable and I wouldn't change it for the world. Great, you know, man, it's, it's amazing. Great.
1: amazing. All right, well, let's take a brief break, hear work from our sponsors and then when we come back with Zachary, we wanna talk about how you transitioned from flipping to holding a lot of the assets.
2: Are your real estate dreams on hold? With work, kids, everything else going on, time is limited. Most days, you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You might even say to yourself, if I just had someone to lean on and push me in the right direction, I know things would happen quicker. Well, then you need to check out the Deal Finders Club, a community of investors eager to close more deals, sign more contracts, and just get ahead in life. The DFC provides weekly coaching, thriving online community, and all the education you need to be confident. DFC is your fastest path to closing more deals. To learn more, head over to azdfc.com.
1: That's azdfc.com. All right, we are back with the Azria show and we have Zachary Keeps on the show on today. And Zach, we were talking about, you know, all of the different strategies and the fixing and flipping and wholesaling and things like that. But then you decided to, to hold a lot of the assets. Kind of tell us that, that transition on how you started doing that.
0: Yeah, just like I was explaining before with the students and and other people, I believe in that passive income, that annuity of income, let your money work for you in this business again. You're only as good as your last deal. If you flip the deal now you have a, I recognize that you're paying a lot of money in these short-term capital gains, right? You're typically forty percent. So if you flip a deal and you make forty thousand, did you really make forty? No, you probably made twenty-six thousand, mm-hmm. you know, after taxes. So I recognize and look at the yields of all the deals that were flipping, and maybe I saw their investors or funds whatnot. You know, when reed started coming in, I'm like, hey, why are they buying these? Oh, they're renting them out. Oh, they're making a fifteen cap or a twelve cap. I said to myself there's no better place to redeploy the money into these same assets especially at the basis and that's when it triggered the thought of hey these guys from wall street are way smarter than we are they're on something mm-hmm. and so as i evaluated deals when i was buying them at 30 and 40 thousand dollars and they were renting out for remember 800 mm-hmm. 900 a thousand dollars think about it, that's a 20 cap yeah you know you look at the equity markets i come from a wall street background I said, who's providing 20% returns or 18% returns or even 15, you know, net after stuff. Nobody is not to mention the depreciation on those assets right, to yeah. at your income. When I looked at the tax benefits and really looked at the macro perspective of the investments, I said, I like controlling my destiny. Every other deal that I've invested in, even, you know, the equity markets, we have zero control. Right. The best part of real estate is having that, that control. You see it, feel it, touch it, the relationships with the tenants. It's like we're setting ourselves up for success. And that's when it really transitioned to set of hey i want to just flip 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 which is important to gain the liquidity to buy assets mm-hmm. in the beginning so i wouldn't change that then i said hey i just want to invest in these properties and uh, did and you hold go them. did you go to like private money or institutional like banks or so back in the time when i decided when the market transitioned to hold the banks were disinterested, based on the market right. collapsing. I went to the mm-hmm. Bank of America's, all the local regional banks. Nobody wanted to touch real estate, right? It's like an emotional game when the market's plummeting. Everyone's like, "Oh, real estate, I don't oh, want to touch it." So, fortunately, I made significant money on the flips that I okay. had in reserves. Pulled some money out of uh, my equity portfolio and said, "Hey, I want to control my destiny. I'm not going to just wait for Nike and you know uh, Warren Buffett stocks and all the Berkshire Hathaways right. to hopefully make me money." I'm going to make my own money because I know what these are going to rent for. I know what the yield is. And I literally started putting in those assets and I had to buy it with cash. Remember, I didn't need tons of cash because these houses were Mm 40,000, 30,000. So my timing was impeccable got a lot. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. better be lucky than smart. Uh, I don't claim to be the smartest guy in the world. But, I, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So started, you know, again, one home at a time, buy it for 30, put in 20, rent it for a thousand. There's my 20%. And then fast forward two years, I had built a significant, you know, mini portfolio. Finally, the regional banks are like, oh, the market's stabilized. Zach, are you interested in some debt? Yeah, where have you been yeah, for the last right, couple of years? Right. Yeah, I'm interested. Are you available yeah. um, in minus 20 minutes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk. So it's pretty easy to do you know low leverage collateralization with those assets, so I cross collateralize those rental homes. With the regional banks at 65 70 cents on the dollar created lines of credit to leverage those lines of credit to then acquire new assets. In the interim, I still had the OPM model. So everything I was doing, so I didn't you know, always had liquidity, was leveraging high net worth investors with their capital to acquire new assets,
1: same on that same split. You said something very key. You said that you leveraged the capital from re- regional banks, yep. not the big banks, Bank of America yeah. and Chase and things like that. Again, as I
0: vetted them and I went into all of them, the Chases, the Wells Fargo's, the Bank of America. It's funny, I went out with my boy, Keenan. He's a he's a manager, of Bank of America. He's like, Zach, how come we don't do any real estate business? I said, because that's not your core competency, right? right? Mm-hmm. You guys do some small business loans and it's not that, unless they've changed. But I, you know, I had multiple accounts with them. They see what I was putting in for my tenants. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I didn't have the capital. I had the assets. It just wasn't their core competency. So when you get into the local regional banks and you have that direct strategic relationships, that's more in their appetite. That's yep. what they're serving. So the bigger banks, it just wasn't what they're interested mm-hmm. in. Even today, the Chase and the private banks, they don't want to do cross-collateralization loans. They'll do a big loan on a $10 million home for you. No problem yep. at all. All, but you start mentioning 100 200 homes i want leverage on it it's just not the core competency right. but it's those regional banks that's that's their appetite that's and a lot
1: and a lot of those regional banks they still hold the notes so they oh yeah they're not see, selling it off yeah. on the
0: secondary market they're servicing it they know right. you you're mm-hmm. getting the, you know quarterly returns the p and l's to them mm-hmm. so they're very efficient that's what they're structured for these big banks they're just not interested in it it doesn't it, again times could change, you know, if they have a bigger appetite, I always say, Hey, you don't ask, you don't receive. I'd yeah. always vet everybody out, you always want to be asking the questions. Are you interested in loaning on single family rentals or multifamily or land development? Always ask the question, you know, don't just assume the answers. No, if you do, you're not going to get the opportunity. There you go.
2: Was, was there but there's like a big mindset shift there? Because if you're you're out there flipping, I mean, markets change, obviously, you got to make a decision. But yeah. like you have this money, the markets, you're in a whole new environment and world, you don't know where everything's going. And then you're like, okay, I'm gonna start renting, which is like planting seeds, right? Sure. You know, so how was that? Just taking the money out of your bank account. I know you're you're confident and obviously you knew what you're doing. So it probably wasn't that big, but someone listening might be like, wow, you went from flipping, 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 stop landlord one month at a time. Mm-hmm. One. You, you get what I'm saying? So was that a big shift for you in your, your mind or what?
0: It was a shift, but I was also excited about it. Like okay. I was looking forward to that mail. I remember though, I was a little nervous, right? You're mm-hmm. Taking on something new, you risk, it's new, you're anxious i was i was excited that was the days where no one was going to the bank or selling you the money they're literally mailing you the rent. i would check my mailbox it was the 31st the first i'm like ladies i hope you paid that rent. you know the 900 dollars. i was anxious mm. for those checks yep. and they started coming in and you're like oh, i really there's That's something cool. so like gratifying about opening it up they, they call it mailbox money for a reason mm-hmm. getting in that mailbox money first it's 900 the next month it's 1800 then it's two it's ten it's twenty thousand you're like this is amazing. Yep. I like these dividends, and I created this. Again, talk about gratifications, mm-hmm. like cooking your own meal versus going out to the restaurant. Right? You can go sit down. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. If you're cooking that meal, you know what you know oils <laughs> you use, how healthy right. it is, and then you get that gratification. You and your gal, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. There's something just you know extremely gratifying about knowing you created
2: that. And you probably hear this a lot. So if if you're if you are in the business and you comp properties, you see Zach Ventures. <laughs> when you're comping all the time. Yep. So yep. I always see your name, man. <laughs> yep. I That's hear great. it
0: all the day. I get the Instagram Oh, another <laughs> yeah, yeah, What'd you pay for this I'm one? Like, who or is they it? say, you stole this house. It said, you're forgetting something. I buy an assignment. So whatever you see in the tax record, isn't what I, I paid. paid right. So don't don't <laughs> think that, hey, if you want to sell me at that same price, I'm a buyer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But honestly, you can market up 20 or 30,000. I'll still buy the asset. Just transparent. Love yeah. it. Love it. Awesome, man. So what
1: so for, for a new person getting into the into real estate investing today, what would you tell them? What instructions would you give them?
0: First, start meeting people that are doing what you want to do. Figure out or do you want to fix and flip? Do you want to hold? Are you multifamily? Are you land? What's going to be your core competency, number one? Once you've addressed that question. Surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do so you can learn from them. It's like going to the casino and learning blackjack, right? You're not going to learn by putting your money on the table right away and not know the rules. Learn the rules of the game. Learn what you're doing. Simulate it. Play with your friends. Pretend you're the dealer and the player and the player and the dealer. Do you feel competent? Then once you do, start at a low level table. Same thing in real estate. Go around the people, show up to the AZ RIAs and these other investment seminars and find the right people or get yourself a mentor to teach you exactly what to do. You got real money on the table, investing five or 10 or 15 or 20,000, whatever it is on a mentorship. And a lot of that stuff's free, by the way. Go Get all the research on YouTube and Instagram and find the right people, emulate what they're doing, and then get out there and start buying. But don't buy complex projects as you start. Buy with what I call simple cosmetic remodels. Don't start getting into, you know, additions and crazy mm-hmm. permits and stuff. Do yep. the simple lower income stuff so that you can incrementally build your skill set and then grow on, uh, you know, into a scalable business. Okay. You know, Love
2: it, man. Wow. A lot of great information, man. Yeah, yeah. Good conversation.
1: Um, kind of one last question, kind of wrapping up here. And I always like to dig into this. So, Zach, you said you started with, Like the lower income bottom market bottom of the market properties is that still your core competency or are you doing something different
0: no absolutely obviously as you have your your net worth grows and you can take on more More risk risk. over Mm -hmm. time it's still my core competency i'd rather own three four hundred thousand dollar homes and one 1.2 million dollar home any day of the week However, you pose the question and the answer is yes, I've gotten into some higher end stuff because I have that ability. I can I can Mm -hmm. incur that risk today. So I've done a couple few million dollar homes, remodels and flips. Those aren't good holds unless you're in some crazy, you know, Airbnb business that it's going to give you. I have a buddy that does and he's making, you know, seven figures a year on three multi million dollar homes. But he's incurring a lot of risk. The market shifts hypothetically and he has to sell for some reason or he's got the wrong leverage on it. He's going to have a problem right. but i know he's got good strategic debt on there so he can weather the storm and he's still got good. high demand for what he's doing but i'm building you know a seven million dollar spec right now in paradise valley i've done wow. like i said a couple other stuff but i was a contingency plan right if that if that shits the bed if you will excuse my mm-hmm. language yeah, yeah. then guess what i'll move in there you know probably <laughs> a home i'll have a really nice airbnb yeah. but i can i can stomach that risk so that's right. okay good for you but i certainly don't recommend that for somebody jumping into the business if you have enough assets to support that debt and uh, you know i also love the design aspect i like enhancing these neighborhoods so for me it's like i'm still having fun, fun. i brought in another designer recently i love the engagement the synergy with it building mm-hmm. the team every house is unique and special in some way and we want to maximize that and that's one other good point is the market shifts you got to be better than everybody else yeah. so you know spend the money to make the money the days of these hotels aren't going to work anymore. You got to do a nice remodel, you got to stage it, you got to pay the commissions, but put in the work and make it beautiful. So it appeals to the emotions of buyers and or renters. So you'll get a premium for rent and you'll be the first male or female to dispo that property because you did a great job. Mm -hmm. You're going to sell with good branding and good confidence. So now's not the time for shortcuts. Now's about going the distance and make it beautiful for longevity, durability, branding, so you can continue to do what you do in a volatile environment.
2: So true that staging is such a key, man. Yeah. And you strapped that in real quick. If you didn't hear that, that helps so much. We had like a little 600 square foot house in the Pearson historic district. No showings because it's so small. It's such an awkward yeah. space. You, yeah. you got to mm-hmm. pull out these these stagers, man. It's very important. Cool. Yeah.
1: That's one of the things with staging. I actually had an agent that's doing a listing on one of my properties. And he was like, why do you spend the money to stage? You know, in this market, you just put it out there. And I said, but the market is shifting. It's yeah. changing. You have to be able to give that visualization to people when they come in through the door, especially, you know, it, it may sound like a cliche, but the women is normally the buyer. So when they come in and they can see, all right, the living room is here. This is how you set up the kitchen. This is how you set up the dining room. Then it's easy for them to see themselves in it. But when it's I empty shell, you know, it's it's kind of hard for them to visualize that. So staging is always a benefit in my book. It's like a new build, right? Yeah. You guess
0: what, for whatever reason you're way over budget and you put all the money in the property, virtually stage, you can virtually yeah. stage for $50 or $75. Yeah, At least they get the visual on there too. Yep. Yeah. But I'm a tangible guy. I put the furniture in good, <laughs> let's go. But again, do the best that you can do with the budget that you got. There you go.
2: So speaking of tangible, how do people get in touch with you?
0: They can uh, go on my Instagram under ZAK Ventures or Zachary Keeps. You'll see a picture of me and my dog. It's my little boy, Buddy Jones. Cool, cool. Uh, DM me on there. You got a deal, you know, send it to these guys first and then send it. I always believe in like (laughs) how you meet, seriously, that's one thing. It's like, everyone always wants to like cut everybody out of the deal. I believe, you know, if I'm gonna, if you're gonna find me through AZREA guys, send them the deal first and have them send it to me. You wanna (laughs) connect and watch my stuff, cool. Go on my YouTube channel, go on my Instagram, but respect, you know the line of communication yeah. and who introduces you it's like hey someone introduces me to a wholesaler and that wholesaler tries to reach out to me direct after that guess what you got to go through that point mm-hmm. who introduced us maybe they're a title company okay fine then they're obviously going to get that business but if it's another individual in the business and you've connected us go back through that channel out of respect it's right. about respect hey. of that relationship love it great love man it. Love so just love
2: instagram we get a hold of you no man if A lot of great points, Zach, man. Really enjoyed having you on today. Just the, you didn't hear anything, just the energy, right? You know, that was amazing, man. The energy, simple things is being human, treating people right will take you, get you through 20 years in the business, man.
0: Yep. One other point that I always like to leave with people in this business, it's all about, again, differentiating yourself. I mentioned like the big sexy shirt, Mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, I always ask my students this question, I give you, you know, you win $50 million free and clear, and you have that money. And I say to you, what do you want to do with your life, right? Because real estate is just a vehicle Mm -hmm. to build wealth or whatever, however you want to utilize it. But really what is your passion What be vulnerable with people so when i talk to people about my dog for example i light up he's amazing and a lot of people like pets or you know unfortunately cancer stricken my family so we could talk about cancer we could can talk about anything but build strategic relationships it's not about real estate it's about getting to know the people you're doing business with mm-hmm. by being vulnerable or by being dif- you know differentiating yourself and memorable so take the time don't just say is this house available hey mike you know tell me about yourself you got mm-hmm. kids you got family oh nice I got kids too what school do they go to okay cool take the time to cultivate relationships it's not just a numbers game and how many calls you can mm-hmm. make a day it's the value of those calls and and the retention of who you are from those uh, interactions ideally in person if not you know on the phone or FaceTime looking people in the eye so take the time to differentiate yourself show why they want to do business with you because, hey, you're giving X percent to that charity with the $50 million you have or your foundation or what you ultimately want to do in life. And then people will want to do business with you because you're a good person.
2: There can't, you go. Let's leave it on that. Yeah, you, you can't <laughs>
1: top that, guys. Thank you again for being uh, loyal listeners to the Azria show. Again, this is Marcus Maloney with Mike Delprete, And today, our very special guest was Zachary Keeps. You know what to do. Always, always go to our YouTube channel. Go to our Facebook, Instagram. Go to our website, azria.org. <laughs> azria.org. We'd love to see you around the community. Once again, it's Marcus Maloney. Thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful day.
0: Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delprete. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.